Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Today we conclude our six-week series in Proverbs and what it tells us about living wisely in a mixed-up world. These wise words do not tell us how to make a living, but how to be skillful in the last lost art of making a life. All the previous five are available on podcast. And tonight we are looking at Proverbs, what Proverbs tells us about friends and friendships. Any quick internet search for surveys or studies on friendships in the developed world all come to the same conclusion. Fewer and fewer people have strong, close friendships, people with whom we discuss our lives and our important and issues, and those who we could know that we could call out at three o'clock in the morning, and they would there. They would answer the phone, and whatever we asked for them at three o'clock, they would be there. In the stock market, if the stock market counted best friends instead of money, the Western world would be in a 51-year depression, every year a little worse than the one before. The statistics are not good in the whole area of friendships. There are more than enough suspects to blame for the decline of friendships in our modern culture. And one easy target is the mobility of our age. Far behind us, long gone, are the days of growing up in one community, leaving home for college or the military or some other temporary reason, and then moving back to our original local communities. Today, most adults will make many moves in a lifetime from one job to another, one opportunity to the next. This may have opened up opportunities for us to see the world or to see this beautiful country, but it has brought with it a truckload of problems that many people did not foresee. And one of these realities is that many people have paid the price with their friendships in the fact that they have constantly moved. And not only have friendships suffered, but so too have our emotional and mental health. Whilst taking opportunities offered to us is not wrong, there are questions that we need to ask and we need to answer before we move. How does this affect precious, important, and life-giving friendships that I have and that I need and that I depend on. I am amazed time and time again when talking with people about a possible move or a possible promotion that the conversation is always about what they will gain, a career upgrade, more money, or even the beach rather than what they are leaving behind and usually the support systems that are integral to their survival and to their flourishing in life. Yet, despite our 51-year depression these days, it is possible to deceive ourselves that there are other things as well and hide our lack close friends. You mean we can hide behind this smokescreen of social media. For those of us who are on social media... How many friends do we have? And how many do we really know at all? Questions that we need to ask ourselves. 
I read a great statement recently. Your mobile phone that you have in your pocket has already replaced your watch, your camera, your calendar, your torch, and your alarm clock. Don't let it replace your friends. The sages of ancient Israel recognized the value of good friends. Proverbs 17.17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 18.24 says, There are persons for companionship, but then there are friends who are more loyal than family. The first of these Proverbs recognizes the difference between companions and good friends, who in fact may be closer than family, and whilst the second says the same in a different form. Taken together, these Proverbs reinforce the truth and remind us that friends are sometimes better and more used to us than family, and yet so often we can allow family to drag us down. A friend is a very, very special commodity. To begin with this evening, I am going to look at some myths around Christian friendship that can actually hold us back from developing good, deep, and proper friendships that are God-glorifying. Myth number one, you can be friends with everyone. No, you can't, and no one should be. It's just not possible, and it doesn't mean that you are being unfriendly, but it is impractical to, be, uh, to think as Christians that we will be friends with everyone. It's just not going to happen. Friendly, of course, but friends, no. Actually, Proverbs 12, 26 says, A righteous person is cautious in friendships, that they choose friends carefully. As Christians, we have a biblical obligation to be friendly to others, but that doesn't mean that every person we meet should become part of our inner circle of closest friends. There are people that we have as friends, and there are people that we walk with in life, but friends need to be very special. Our closest friendships, whether virtual or interpersonal, will influence our behavior. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals or good characters. We need to choose our influences from people who are bearing good fruit because we will eventually become like them. And we'll come back to that towards the end. Myth number two. Everyone is going to like me and want to be my friend. No, they don't, and no, they won't. This is just a simple consequence of the fact that we are different in every way. All of us are broken and in the process of being restored, but we're not going to get on with everybody. Probably everybody thinks that, but nobody actually admits it. But that's just the reality. We live in a broken world. Simply because someone is, a, is of faith, and a follower of Christ, it doesn't mean that they're going to be your bestie or your best friend. And of course, always we must remember that we need to be kind and gracious and courteous in all these types of friendship is, of course, paramount. Continuing on this matter, it is freeing. It is a liberating place, I believe, especially for Christians because we can sometimes suffer with guilt 
it is good to come to accept the fact that not everyone is going to like you. Not everyone is going to like me. And that's just the reality of life. And I think the sooner we accept that, the better. Because actually, it is a safe place to be. It is a safe place to live. Living up to other people's expectations or what we think that they think of us. Or if they do this, they may like us. God has called us to be the unique individual representation of ourselves. And we will not get on with everyone. And I believe that it is a safe place to be. And it is a good place for mental health and our security and our emotions and well-being. Myth number three. Friendships should last, if not forever, but for a long time. Again, no they don't, and they don't have to. Whilst we set out with the intention of building friendships that last, in reality, very few will last for the long haul. And this is fine. This is, this is good. There is a popular p- poem from an unknown author, although sometimes attributed to Eleanor Roosevelt, explains three types of friendships. Friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for a lifetime. Not every friendship can be for a lifetime. Some friendships start off great and then they just fade away and they eventually die. Other friendships last for a few, mo- for a few months or a few years, serving a very specific purpose and then ending when that purpose has been fulfilled. These friendship, friendships serve a purpose or meet a need. When that purpose is fulfilled or the need met, the friendship becomes a distant memory. There are people that come into our lives sometimes for a season and aren't meant to be there for a long time. And we mustn't try and hold on to such friends. There are people that come into our lives that are like boosters to a rocket. When a rocket goes into space, I'm sure you've seen it, when a rocket goes into space, the boosters fall off when the rocket gets to a certain altitude. I want to say this to you tonight. There are some people aren't equipped to handle the altitude, aren't equipped to handle the things that God wants to do in your life. So don't worry when friendships fall away like this. These aren't bad people. They just can't go where you are going in God. We don't intentionally befriend people to take advantage and then walk away. Sometimes the friendship starts off as if we're going to be lifetime friends, but then something comes along and changes it. And this is completely okay. We are created for community, but we weren't meant to be tied down to everyone forever. Myth four, church should be good at making me feel like I'm welcome and help me make friends. Well, yes, And no. If we're honest, sometimes church and church in general doesn't feel as if, it doesn't feel very welcoming or as welcoming as it should be. Yes, the ushers are friendly and enthusiastic and the person next to us gives us the obligatory hello when we're going to the break and they have been exhorted to from the front, but that's about it. And we come week in, week out. Sometimes we may wonder if we didn't show up, would anybody miss us at all? I would just want to say this very briefly. We aren't 
recipients here tonight. We are not customers. Church is not a service industry. We are the church and we belong because of Jesus who gives us every reason to have all our hands on deck and invested in every sense. (laughs) Instead of waiting for someone to befriend you, be a friend and take the first step. I tell this story, probably it's to my embarrassment, but I, I don't know, the more I tell it, the less embarrassed I am by it. It was just before COVID, and it was a Sunday night, it was a winter's night, and I remember, and I was talking to a, to a lady at the back, and uh, she just started talking to me, and she was having, having a bit of a go at me. She said, oh, you know, this is a church, and this church isn't very, very friendly, and I was really kind and polite, and just let her speak, which is, which is great. <laughs> and so, so she carried on, and I said to her, Wow, how many years have you been coming to Gateway? And she said, I've been coming here eight years. Oh, gosh. And I'm not usually this bright. But maybe it was a God thing. So I said to her, I apologize for that. I said, in those eight years, how many times did you go from your seat and go to the information desk and ask, can I be connected into a connect group? And she said, no, I haven't done that at all. I wasn't rude, and I didn't walk away, but everything within me did. We can make the first move to either, we can make the first move to either approach those we see around us and in church, or we can make the move and say, I want to be part of a connect group because I need to build my friendships. Myth five, and this is for the husbands and wives and for those of you who eventually get married. My wife, my husband, my children are my best friend, so I don't need any more. It may sound cute and twee, but it's not wise. Marriage is meant to be a relationship between two best friends, but they are not meant to be our only friend. If this is the case with your situation, I would encourage you to change it immediately. It is a case that is fraught with peril. Expecting our spouse, our spouse, to be our only friend, we'll come to that in a moment. <laughs> I'm just checking to see if my wife is here, she's not. <laughs> Expecting our spice to be a sp- <laughs> Right, will you all stand and just raise your hands? <laughs> Where are we? Oh, expecting our spouse to be our only friend or expecting us to be their only friend is demanding too much from them or from us. I want to be my wife's best friend, but I don't want to be her only friend for her sake. There are things that I don't want to talk about There are things that I don't want to do. There are things I don't care about, but my wife does. And this works both ways. Hope wants to be my best friend, but she doesn't want to be my only friend. Can you imagine the burden of being my only friend? (laughs) But there's another reason too. And this reason can work either way. Wife, husband, husband, wife. A number of years ago, 
just before COVID, I got asked by a, a church in town, uh, could I go and help the leadership? Because one of their couples who was in leadership were going through incredible marriage difficulties. They, they, a situation had arisen and they, it was threatening their whole marriage. The wife had discovered that her husband had had a life-controlling addiction for all of their marriage. They had been married for over 30 years, been together for 35, and she discovered that he had had a life-controlling addiction for that whole time. And one can only begin to imagine how devastated she was. But the wife's situation was compounded by the reality of the fact that she had two close friends. She said, one was my husband and one was my daughter. So, with her two closest friends, one she wanted to throttle, if not kill, and the other she couldn't tell as the problem was her daughter's dad, and therefore would ruin any possible relationship between the daughter and dad. What could she do? To whom could she turn? Because of this, the wife had no friends that weren't close family. She wasn't able to experience the love and support she needed in what she confessed was the hardest situation she had faced in life. If this is you today, can I encourage you to add non-family members to your friendship circle? As we move on, I want to address for a few moments, just a few moments very quickly, the issue of toxic friendships, toxic relationships. Put, as, put it as clearly as I can. We are not required to be around someone who is toxic, even if they are a fellow believer. We, do not, we are not required to be around someone who is toxic, even if they are a fellow believer. The Bible, and Proverbs in particular, has a lot to say about toxic friends and friendships, and we'd ignore the subject at our own peril. Proverbs tells us some people we avoid, we need to avoid, avoid, include the violent man. And that's just not physical violence, that's verbal violence. There's lots of different violence caught up in that. Proverbs 16, 29 says, a violent person entices their neighbor and leads them down a path that is not good. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 2, 12 says, Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 to 5 tells us, We should not be friends with lovers of self, lovers of money, the proud, the abusive, those disobedient to parents, the ungrateful, the heartless, lovers of pleasure. Toxic people. Let's quickly look at some of the traits and uh, see what that tells us. First of all, Toxic friends don't mind taking advantage of you. They don't mind taking advantage of you. With a toxic friend, they don't mind if the relationship is completely lopsided and one-sided, and they take advantage over you. A friend who is willing to constantly take advantage of you is a toxic friend. You have a toxic relationship. Secondly, they are in it for themselves and not really interested in you. In the words of Ed Cunningham, the author, friends are those rare people who ask you how we are and then wait to hear the answer. 
If someone is genuinely interested in you, they'll ask after you, your health, your situation, what's going on in your life, and how you are. Expressing, someone expressing no interest in you and what's happening in your world is a red flag. They, that's especially so if they overlook your life and your concerns, whilst all they do is talk about themselves. Number three, their friendship is conditional. Proverbs tells us in 1717, a true friend loves at all times. Toxic friends make their friendship conditional, and those conditions are always one-sided, and it's always what they want to do. With unhealthy or similar friendships, acquiescence is the name of the game. And having an individual opinion that is different to their opinion is an absolute non-starter. Fourthly, a toxic fr friendship. They are possessive of your time and with whom you spend your time with. This friend is jealous when they find out that you have been spending time with other people. They regularly check in with you, often to see what you were doing and what you were getting involved with. And they will then become set, upset and perhaps even angry when they know that you have done something without them and not inviting them. Fifthly, they can have problems, but you can't. These friends often are not good listeners, talk about their problems too much, and they minimize the problems that you have. Every time you get in touch with them, they complain. You know, don't get in touch with them. Sixth, sixth they cannot be happy for you. This friend may have their own personal, they have their own personal pity party when something good happens to you and happens good in your life. And they do not show the delight, they do not express the thrill that you might expect from a friend when something exciting and delightful happens to you. They always have their own pity party, as it were, to deflect the good things that are happening in your life. Next, they talk negatively about others. If you have a friend that gossips about others to you, the problem is threefold. One, this person is willing to talk about other people behind their back. Two, this person will talk about you behind your back. It's a guarantee. And thirdly, the problem is you are allowing them to gossip because you are listening to it and not stopping it. Next, they usurp your time and leave you feeling drained and lifeless instead of relaxed and recharged and reinvigorated. That's what healthy friendships do. You go away excited, invigorated, having had a good time. That doesn't happen in toxic relationships. But ultimately, their friendship is ruining your other relationship. This is a massive one. If you have been in conflict with your family or partner or other friends, because of a certain friend, you should start thinking that something is wrong. There could be something about your friendship that bothers the other people in your life. Probably they think of that individual as a bad influence on you, or maybe they can sense that that person is turning you against them. If friends cause you to turn away from healthy, happy relationships in your life, leading you to lose touch with good friends and with family members that you love about, you love and you care about, please, please be wary. 
And lastly, with this so-called friend, you go from being their soulmate and the center of their universe to not even being good enough. You give them everything you have until there's nothing left of you. They take it all and give you nothing in return and make it seem like you never did anything for them in the first place. You are left drained in every aspect of your life, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and often financially. They, they will then blame it on you and play the victim. Friends, tonight, I know that we are all a work in progress, and this means sometimes we may make one of the above mistakes occasionally. If somehow, though, you are noticing a consistent pattern of some of these issues in friendships that you have, you are likely dealing with a toxic friendship or even a toxic marriage. So therefore, when it comes to choosing and evaluating our friends, what are the qualities we are looking for in order to entrust our God-given lives to? What are the some of the takeaways about godly friendship? What does this mean in 2023 with shoes on for people who are followers of Christ who desire to reflect our Savior? According to the motivational speaker Jim Rowe, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I'm not going to stop and say, please think of the people that you spend the most time with. But sometimes it would be good to do it in your own private time. You know, do you want to be like them? It's quite sobering and confronting. And this now famous quote has circulated through churches, businesses, and leadership training courses because of its sobering and inescapable truth. So therefore, as Christ followers, this concept is brought to a whole new profound level. Let's face, let's face it, there are certain people that we may be hanging around with who clearly make it easier to pursue Christ-like character. They inspire us to goodness. They inspire us to truth and selflessness and love and much, much more. Then on the other hand, there are others around us who will tempt us to indulge in the opposite qualities that we really want to see in our life. Selfishness, materialism, gossip, disloyalty, lust. We need to be careful who we have around us. I want to leave you tonight with five characteristics, five traits you should be looking for in your friendship. You should see these things grow and develop in a good, healthy, biblical friendship. These are things that we should be aspiring to. First of all, they make us better people. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That there is that something, that indescribable something that good friends make us better people. They lift us up rather than they drag us down. You know, we've, as I said earlier, we've all been in the company of people when we go away and it's been an enriching, exciting, and an uplifting event. Proverbs clearly teaches us that this is possible and desirable. And in fact, there is ample evidence that not only should our friendships 
be making us better people, there is actually evidence that good friendships actually help us live longer. One example quoted by the Mayo Clinic said this, the women who have breast cancer and who have at least one confidant survive longer after surgery than those who do not. It went on to say that having good friends helps the following. And this is a totally secular society. First of all, it increases your sense of belonging and purpose. Having good friends boosts your happiness and reduces your your stress. It helps improve your self-confidence and your self-worth. Having friends helps you cope with traumas such as divorce, serious illnesses, job loss, or the death of a loved one. Having good friends encourages you to change or avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits such as excessive drinking or the less or the lack of exercise. Totally, totally secular the Mayo Clinic is, but this is what they say about having friends. You know, friends, when God says that we need to have friends in our life and good friends and he prescribes what they look like, actually, he knows what he's talking about. There's a surprise. (laughs) Secondly, friends hold us accountable. They don't just tell us what we want to hear or just to keep the, to placate the friendship. A friend will tell us what needs to be send, said. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. I have a love-hate relationship. Well, it is more likely I have a hate-hate relationship with a language around and that is used in regards to accountability. For often we hear people say that, oh, I'm in an accountability group and then the conversation goes dead or comes to an end. As if saying this makes it, wow, you're in an accountability group, good for you. Accountability groups only work if they hold us accountable. They are a means to an end. They are not an end in and of themselves. But so often this is what they become. You see, accountability doesn't just happen. Accountability isn't comfortable. It is sometimes very, very challenging. I'm going to share with you something that I I did a number of years ago, and uh, I just really, really found the benefit from it. The the early 90s, many of you will not even remember the early, early 90s, but ask your parents. The early 1990s were incredibly, incredible days globally. Soviet Union had fallen, new countries were forming every year in Eastern Europe. We went through the hellishness of the Balkan Wars, the first Gulf War, the Rwandan genocide, which was Christian on Christian. Nelson Mandela was released. We just were taken up by the Toronto outpouring. We experienced the Pensacola revival. And there was a real sense of God's call to the church to be who he wanted us to be. It was an exciting time for the church with a real sense of expectancy. And I remember being with my colleagues, colleagues and, we were, and we were pastoring churches, and we said, how do we become the people that God really wants us to be? I wanted to challenge myself in the light of this to be the person that God wanted me to be. Therefore, to start to address and work on this, I asked two friends, one was a board member and they were both friends, to hold me accountable 
on two matters that I didn't want to be blind or ignorant or foolish about. One was a a lady by the name of Debbie Brown. She was a successful nurse and a medical practitioner, one of the first people in the UK that the doctors allowed to do uh, medical procedures uh, instead of the doctors. She was an incredible lady. And another lady was by the name of Sandy Thompson. And I say this for a purpose. Sandy was uh, from a black Caribbean family in the UK, and she was a singer. You'll understand why I said that about her ethnicity. I asked them that if either of them heard me say or intonate anything racist or inappropriate or sexist or misogynist in my conversations, in my banter, or anything at all, that they would hold me accountable and they would pull me up on it straight away. That if they heard anything that was anything slightly racist or inappropriate or in fun, anything that was slightly sexist or misogynist, anything like that, that they would immediately pull me up on it and say, what was that about? And I gave them access to my life for about five years uh, in, 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 that, in this situation before they, went, uh, they both went to live overseas. It was one of the best times in my life, challenging and rewarding. You know, sometimes we like the thought of being accountable. Oh, we like the words of a friend that challenges. You know, accountability is threatening and intimidating, but it is practical and tangible and very rewarding. And we can either say to our friends, please play a role in our life, or please don't. And we don't actually say, please don't, but we just don't say anything at all. Iron sharpens iron going on from a very somber subject, I believe that good friends and the friends that we want in our life, that they make us laugh, that we don't take life too serious, we don't take ourselves too serious, we don't take the situations that we find ourselves in too serious. Proverbs 17 says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Or a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. You see, you may have heard me say this before. I think my God laughs more than most Christians' God. I, I mean, my God, I think, is really funny. We have a lot of fun together, and we laugh, and we joke, and we get friends together, and we laugh. Sometimes you see some Christians, and you think, goodness me, please don't smile. I couldn't cope with it. And I'm not saying, this is not denying hardships or the hellishness and the difficulties people go through. But in the midst of this, I really believe that there is a role for laughter. You know, life is and can be serious. Bills, health, family concerns, stresses from work don't exactly induce roaring laughter. But laughter is amazingly good for our health And more importantly, it is a decision that we allow ourselves sometimes to relax and have fun and have a laugh and be around people who enrich us and build us up and just make us laugh. I I make Don cringe, and I I said this this morning. Don always asks me when I come back from a meeting, how did it go? And I sometimes think he dreads it. I said, you know, I was with someone for an hour, and the only conclusion I came to was, 
they really need a tickle. They really, really need a tickle. And I just think, you know, and I, you know, I can go again and say, you know, I know life is tough. I know life is hard. You don't have to tell me about that. But even in the midst of that, I think good friends allow us, give us the permission to laugh and to express ourselves. I love this name. Avery M. Jackson III is a medical doctor. He is the chief executive officer and medical director of Michigan Neurosurgical, I'm not going to even get into words tonight, Surgical Institute, and he is a follower of Christ, and he's written some good books. He writes the following about laughter. He says, God has built in mechanisms to help and heal our imperfect earthly bodies, and laughter is one of them. He continued, laughter helps our blood flow, helps reduce pain, builds our immune system, improves mental health, and strengthens our spirit. Chuck Swindle, well-known Christian writer from a previous generation, says, laughter is the most beautiful and beneficial therapy God ever granted humanity. (laughs) We need friends that make us laugh because sometimes we go through hellish situations and true friends know when to bring that balance into our lives and to release us to a joyful spirit. The next, the penultimate one I've called, people, we need friends that can show us the power of a gentle touch. We need friends who can show us the power of a gentle touch. And I'm using this phrase to describe a friend who we all need, that knows when to speak and knows when to say nothing at all to us, that they know the power of a gentle touch. They know when to hold us and they know when not to. They know when to stay and they know when to give us space. They know they may not have the answer, but you know they will be praying for you. They know what you need at the right time and at the right situation. (coughs) I know that my wife loves the following. She loves tea, she loves toast, and she loves wine. I'm such a good husband. I know how she likes her tea, her toast, and wine, and this has changed over the years. It wasn't something I learned 40 years ago and I'm still doing it. Her taste, and all those have changed over the last 40 years. But you know, more importantly, I know which to give her when. I know when to give her tea, I know when to give her toast, and I know when to give her wine. And I believe that we all need people in our life who can give us the power of a gentle touch. Maybe we need to ask ourselves the question, do we have too many acquaintances and not enough friends? Lastly, we need friends that are loyal and supportive. This may sound, yeah, that's an obvious one. Well, this is incredibly underrated in today's culture 
as loyalty and support is so countercultural. We live in a society that says, do your own thing, and to hell really with everybody else and the consequences of it. And one of the most significant characteristics of a good friend is one who is loyal and supportive. A loyal friend is someone who remains steadfast in their commitment to their friendship, even in difficult times. Proverbs 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18, a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A good friend is also someone who supports us all the time. Loyalty and supportiveness are crucial characteristics that are good friend has. They are opposite to toxic friendships. They walk with you through the valley of the shadow of whatever difficulty that you face that day. Whether it's a day of laughter or a day of crying, they will be loyal and supportive and depending, and they will not, their relationship does not depend on the circumstance that you found yourself in. And if you have been a right idiot, they will tell you, but they will still be your friends. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Again, Proverbs, Ointment and perfume delight the heart and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. Good friends, best friends, are those who rejoice with you in your successes and support you through your failures. They are willing to bear your burdens and offer you sound advice when you need it. As we talk about this, and we finish in a few moments, can I encourage us all that when friends walk away from us or leave, or leave us, don't go chasing after them. If they choose to leave you, if they choose to walk away, let them go. You may think I'm being hard, and surely we can't let this happen. Let them go. You know, I'd like to suggest that it could be God at work, for he, God, may have removed them from your life. Why? Because he may have heard conversations that were spoken behind your back that you didn't know about. He maybe saw things you didn't and couldn't and therefore made moves that you weren't able to. But in having them walk away, he was protecting you. And perhaps they weren't as loyal and as supportive as you thought they were. The type of friend we need in our life are those, and the only dodgy thing that they will do is that they will pray behind our backs without us knowing. Musicians, please. <coughs> As we close this evening, may I encourage all of us to take time under the leading of the Holy Spirit to re-examine or examine for the first time our friends and the role that they play in our lives and we in theirs. And whilst I appreciate some friends are closer than others, but when it comes to our close friends, firstly, please ensure that you have one. If you don't, ask your Heavenly Father to produce circumstances to open up the ways that you can have one. Then let us be wise in whom we let into our lives at a deep level. Some whom we call friends today, perhaps don't have a future in our life. There are some people who are our friends today and they soon need to become part of our past. Often I will say at a wedding to a couple that's getting married, there are friends in your life today that will not be part of your friendship 
group tomorrow because they do not share the same values as you do for the things of God and for Christ and for, for families and for marriage and they need to become part of your past. You never become rude or whatever, but you need to move away from them. You may say, Chris, you take this really seriously. Absolutely I do because I have seen too many good people and good couples have their lives ruined by poor, poor friendships and poor decisions. And that is something that I am incredibly passionate about. You know, the righteous, it says in Proverbs 12, verse 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. The word choose in the Hebrew is from the word that is translated to reconnoiter, to research, to search out. Someone who chooses a friend should reconnoiter, should search out, should find out what they are like before they become your friend. That is what Scripture says. It is a military observation and is a word that takes on military nuances. See, I believe that God puts such a high price on friendships that he requires of us to choose friends wisely, purposefully, and prudently that they will help us become the people that God truly wants us to become. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.